From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Hertz, welcome to the Datebook Podcast. Hey, good to see you, Peter. Yeah, it's Dan Hoyle Day at the Datebook Podcast. Dan Hoyle, son of Jeff Hoyle. Who is uh, most famous, I guess, in the world for his role in Lion King, but he's a local treasure in the Bay Area as well as his son, Dan. Yeah, and Dan's done some interesting things, too. You remember him from way back. Do you remember meeting Dan Hoyle? I do. Dan wanted to come to the Chronicle. He had done a couple of stories for me. So I said, come on over, and we took a tour, and... uh, He was just, you know, just loving the whole thing. He does a lot of solo shows. He's done some writing for us. And now he's got a show at the Marsh opening July 13th called Each and Everything. And uh, if you look on Monday or Tuesday this week, you'll see in the Chronicle print section a story by Edward Guthman about Dan Hoyle and what he's been doing. So I'm looking forward to that story, but very excited. I was actually here. Mm -hmm. Dan came by the Chronicle again um, and sat down with you. And I think we have a great conversation. Let's listen to it. Thanks so much for having me, Leva. It's always great to be down here. Um, we are in the archives. This is like a, this is like an amazing basement mm-hmm. of fame here. Um, I'm working on a couple things. Mm-hmm. I'm about to start a, a reprise of Each and Everything, uh, the show that opened in 2014 about um, sort of how we experience the world in the digital age and our addiction to screens. And then I'm also working on a new a uh, piece of journalistic theater uh, right now called Border People um, that's based on research and hanging out um, in uh, the southwestern border, uh, the northern border with Canada and refugee safe houses, and uh, in the courtyard uh, of the housing projects in the South Bronx near near where we used to live. So you lived there with your wife and newborn kid yeah so Mm -hmm. so winston our son um he was born yeah he was born in manhattan Mm -hmm. uh roosevelt sinai like 13th floor (laughs) um on on a sun on a sunday evening at 659 which is like right before the seven the somewhat traditional seven o'clock showtime so he's good he doesn't Mm -hmm. have to perform anymore um and yeah, we brought him back to where we were living in the South Bronx then, um, and then, yeah, and then we and then we and then we lived in Brooklyn for a year before we moved mm-hmm. back to the Bay. I'm a native San Franciscan, but I wasn't born here. I was born in Malta, so I can't be president. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone's shedding any tears, <laughs> but um, well, you know, I think. Uh, Mitt Romney wasn't born. No, Mitt Romney's father wasn't born in the U.S., right. but he ran for president. Oh. Well, there you go. I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. I, I don't. And have Ted to... Cruz was born in Canada. Ah, <laughs> wow. I don't. I wouldn't say standing on the shoulders of giants there, but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I grew up in San Francisco, um, and uh, you know, then went to Chicago Northwestern, mm-hmm. and then uh, came back, and yeah, got started at the Marsh in like '04, working with Charlie Varon. Um, I did Circumnavigator, which was my first uh, solo show. What and was that about? That was about um, traveling around the world. I got this crazy grant to go around mm-hmm. the world 
um, studying basically globalization. It was like American mm-hmm. companies in developing countries, but it was basically you know about globalization. Um, yeah, and then I did uh, Florida 2004, The Big Bummer, which is about uh, canvassing mm-hmm. on the very unhistoric John mm-hmm. Kerry campaign 2004 in uh, Florida. And then um, Things They Happen, which is about the year I spent as a Fulbright scholar in the Niger Delta of Nigeria studying oil politics. And then The Real Americans, which is about traveling through small town and rural America for three and a half months. And then Each and Everything. Um, so, yeah. And then I've done some other play. I've acted in some plays. I've written some plays. Was it one of your plays about baseball with some guy at Berkeley Rep? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tony, Tony and I wrote a game on about um, bugs as the next great protein source, global warming, and, and rotisserie baseball. Yeah, that was fun. Um, this new show, or the old show, new show, what's the difference between the first time you did it and what this show is going to offer? So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the other shoe is dropped. I think on all this stuff, you know, um, back when I was first writing it um, in 2013, and then when it opened in 2014, it's like the conversation was just beginning, sort of on like what is what, like what is the effect of all this stuff on our attention spans or on our ability to like have uh, good human connections with people, and then also the conversation around like. Oh, we're we're giving away our our, our data uh, for free. That that's why this stuff isn't actually without a cost. Um, you know, and now Cambridge Analytica, the election of of, of Trump, I think owes um, some. He got he definitely got a boost. I think he was the first actual social media president, um, not not Barack Obama, um, and and. And then looking at yeah, where are we now, um, and and how do we, how do we stay human, um, which is essentially what the show is about. I mean, it's kind of about technology, but I'm not like anti-technology. You know, it's 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 really much more about like finding that balance. You know, you usually play different characters throughout the show. What are some of the key characters in this show? Uh, there's uh, my friend Pratim. Um, you know, who, who is kind of the lead, kind of the lead character. Um, he, he talks about open time and, um, we kind of, cause the show flashes back to 2003 when I first started, um, doing this type of work, um, in Chicago when I, when I, (laughs) when I didn't have internet in my house Mm -hmm. and I just graduated college and was, uh, I started walking by the, the the street corner hustlers on my block and sort of started like, hey, I want to. We're the same age, but I I, I want to connect. I want to know what your story is, you know. And the guy said, "You want to do a play about us? We're gonna be a a Broadway or some ghetto type stuff because I do love me a good musical." <laughs> Um, and, you know, I ended up sort of becoming good friends with those guys. Um, and part of the update of the show is I reconnected with them recently and went back and they all live on the south side. They would come up to the north side to, to ply their trade. And so I went down to the south side and hung out with them for several days in, in West Englewood. And that was, that was really interesting. Um, so this sort of update of, of Sino who's one of the main characters there. And then also of Pratim, who, um, you know, I, I would sort of freak out about 
uh, I'd be like, do, do you ever worry, you know, just like we're getting all, all this influx of information, but like where's the sense of wonder? And he would say, man, I just look at my cat and that blows my mind every time. <laughs> <laughs> and he he's kind of he's kind of the soul of the piece um, and, and kind of like the both both humorous, but also I think dropping sort of little dimes of dimes of, of wisdom. So back to some of your earlier stuff, and, and you know, I, I remember one time Dan wrote a big piece for the Chronicle about his adventures in Nigeria, um, including the time he tried to get his brother to the airport, which was quite a chore. But he also, I remember you were talking about, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but you were talking about the difference in their theater reaction versus American theater reaction. Can you tell some of those cute stories or anecdotes? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I was in... Uh, Port Harcourt, uh, University of Port Harcourt, um, 05 in the beginning of 06, and um, performed a scene uh, from Circumnavigator um, in which I get confronted. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all based on, on things that happened to me. So I had been earlier in Kenya um, walking along a road and kind of got confronted by like eight or nine guys who were like kind of trying to jump me. And I, um, I'm not sure if it was because I was chewing cot at the time or cat. I can't remember <laughs> that the driver, the bus driver had given me because I was like interested on the way to dropping me off somewhere. But I sort of just went like, I just started freestyling at them because they were like, they were like kind of, kind of like being like, give me your stuff. But then they were also like, you look like Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, what? I look like Eminem? F that. I'm better than him. And just went on this whole sort of freestyle rap and it just kind of froze the whole thing and they were like oh he looked like Eminem he looked like that, that better and so it became the scene in Circumnavigator that I would do every night and I would do a, I would do a freestyle rap you know for better or for worse <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I did that in um, in Nigeria and in the States you know it's like there's sort of specific places where you applause where you applaud um, in Nigeria it's like anytime there's also you can also like you can get on your phone like people would take a phone call like in the back of the theater like so it's very much like an interactive thing but um yeah i remember i remember doing that and just having this this huge reaction it was then even way better that probably the highlight of my of my performing life was going back to nigeria in 2009 and performing things they happen in five cities in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would do that, that the policemen stopping the guys at the checkpoint. People say, yes, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. You know, um, it, it was it was kind of unreal to be, you know, th this white guy from California mm -hmm. performing Nigerians for Nigerians and having them recognize their story. It was it was pretty cool. You also, I believe it's The Americans, right? That's the other show. The um, Real Americans, Why, why don't yeah. you tell people a little bit about The Real Americans and your experiences there? Yeah, it's so it's so interesting this show that um gosh, I thought I was done with when I when I la when I performed it in 2014 in New York um because it was a show that I, you know, I had traveled in 08 and 09 for. And um at the time my goal was to create like a little love letter to small town of rural America. And what I found was kind of the the the, the populism and anger um and resentment that would become Trump's base. And that show opened at the Marsh in San Francisco mm -hmm. in 2010 and ran for a super long time. 
because by the time it opened, then the tea party was just kicking off and people were like, Oh, I mean, I'd kind of had these, what, what, um, what, uh, Arlie Hochschild calls, you know, the deep story. I kind of had people's, people's deep stories and it was kind of like, okay, wow. So this is where people are coming from. And I performed it a ton. And then I, I felt like done with it in 2014, you know, Obama had gotten elected again. So people were just kind of like, whatever. I always felt this cognitive dissonance of like, you know, hanging out with my friends in San Francisco or New York being like, guys, there's, there's a little, you know, there's a whole different vibe out there. Um, and then it got booked again in North Carolina in the spring of 2016, but it got booked in like 2015. I was like, okay, sure. Whatever. The money's good. Like, and by the time I got there to do the show, like Trump was on the way to, to sealing the Republican nomination. The bathroom bill was just getting passed in North Carolina and audiences were like, what? Like this show seems like he wrote it yesterday. And so then the show kind of started getting booked again all over. It did a long run in D.C. and then it was just in Ireland and Wales. And um, I, I feel ready to kind of really move on from it, you know, um, and I'm excited about this new show. Um, but yeah, it's 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 400 and something performances now. It's crazy. Isn't it something like this show gave you not only an, a perspective on on what was going on, but a different viewpoint of of your of your thought process beforehand going into this and how it's how it changed you in any ways? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it it it. I think whenever you kind of have when when you know the reality of and you have people's stories and you know like what i do i call it like the journalism of hanging out you know but or that's william finnegan's phrase sorry i keep i keep keep repeating it um <laughs> is his but it very much resonates with me um you know i kind of get I get people's stories and and so i you kind of hold those with you you know so when people are kind of talking in generalities you're like yeah but it's so weird and so complicated you know you like meet people who were huge bernie fans and then they voted for trump you know it's like what's that about you know it's like um and you know now that he's in office and he's 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 doing stuff that is that is pretty horrendous um you know it's a different conversation i feel like because it's like um yeah we still you know i, I i'm i'm a progressive person i i think you know we need to flip flip the house blue and everything um and i'm but with this new show i'm looking at um border people sort of folks who who live on literally or metaphorically on the border because i think one of the things that um trump is is has been pushing is this sort of notion of us and them and these really hard lines around what is what is uh, being an american um uh, there, there is also an interesting thing happening, I think, of the left a little bit with, you know, hard lines around culture and sort of this, this we can't know each other. And um, it, it's which is so in 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 contrast to everything I've experienced of 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 meeting people that that straddle cultures. And and so the, the show is kind of um, right now, it's just these monologues of, of based on people I met. Um, but we're really excited about it because it's somehow just every person's story is complicated and interesting and funny and 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 it just is like a it's just a total kind of antidote to to, to what's out there now. Who's the most surprising person or p- persons you've met on this on this border? Oh experience? wow! So it's actually funny that the, the show kind of started right after the research kind of started right after Trump got elected, and I was a artist in residence at Columbia University and. 
didn't really know what I was going to write about. And then Trump got elected. And like a week after I met this guy who was kind of um, this 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 black guy from Fort Lee, New Jersey, um, which he describes as, you know, like a we were, we were one of um, five uh, black families in town, you know, m- m- mostly white and Korean. Uh, you know, so so I struggle with my, you know, uh, I have my black male crisis of authenticity, you know, um, and he came and would come into the to the South mm-hmm. Bronx, the projects near where we, we used to live. Mm-hmm. And um, now he he it's a sort of an amazing story about him uh, feeling an outsider sort of throughout his life. And, and, and you know. He's saying sort of I I had two options, you know, I had sort of uh, uh, the sensationalized aspects of, of, of black urban culture or, you know, hanging out with 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 Korean kids getting lit off of bagel dogs uh, and Wu-Tang Clan pl- playing magic in their parents basement, you know. Uh, so, so he was just, and I was like, wow, you, you this is like, the, this is the kernel for my next show. And then I, and I met this stateless Palestinian guy who grew up in Saudi Arabia who was getting persecuted by the Islamic police. So he came to California. Um, and then, you know, uh, he started seeing Trump and then came our best friend Trump. Holy moly, bro. <laughs> Five days we drive to Buffalo and he immigrated, you know, he, he ran to, to Canada um, because all of a sudden he was too Muslim for the U.S., you know, Um I met this uh this this rancher down in uh in in southern Arizona who you know I was trying to talk to a rancher sort of to get that perspective most of all the ranchers that you see in the in 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 the news it's kind of like get off our land and um it people say oh it's so interesting cuz they kind of don't want the border patrol on their land but they're usually hardline in immigration it's like yeah it's kind of an interesting story but I, it, anyways I, I tracked this guy down, got a phone number from somebody I met in a gas station, and I go to his ranch, and he goes, well, hello, sir. Yeah, This this is not what you expected, is it? <laughs> no, we don't have cattle. Goats, 20 of them. Um, and he's a goat rancher um, living 100% uh, off the grid um, and trying to live off of only the rainwater um, in southern Arizona, which is like eight inches a year. So he's trying to trap all this rain, rainwater. And his whole story, and I'm hanging out with him for, for a while, and, and I see all these books about um, paganism. I say, wow, you have a lot of books. He says, well, well, yeah, yeah, I am a pagan, yeah. And he shows me his um, his deities, and I talk to him for longer, and he talks about, you know, I, people are worried about illegals. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about, I'm worried about climate change. And he's he's a big survivalist. I say, wow, you're a survivalist too. And he says, well, you know, Dan, uh, God really did a number on me, Dan, because I tell you what, Dan, uh, he I should have just been a little rednecky kid. I grew up in in in, in Southern Maryland on a, on a tobacco farm, but Dan, God made me gay. That's just another way. Well, I'm just I'm just disconnected from the culture. And I'm going, wow. And and the whole time he's saying, you know, he's saying, I really don't normally tell people this. I don't I don't know why. And he said, I never thought about it, but. You know, maybe that's why I'm so angry because, you know, and maybe that's why I want a big climate event that just knocks us to our knees. Because when everyone else is is, is struggling out there, they're going to say, you know, that gay pagan guy down the road harvesting sprouts and talking to his goats, he's doing okay. (laughs) And it was this amazing moment of him having this realization about 
kind of his whole purpose, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I've been I, I've I've been amazed at how you would think in these really tense times people don't want to talk. People are opening up like never before. Um, I think because people want to feel connected to something bigger. So that would be the right, the left, and the center all opening up. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um, one thing we didn't discuss, we should, but your family background is uh, the theater. And maybe you want to just give a little bit and also advice that you've gotten from your family members. Yeah. So, um, yes, standing on the shoulders of giants would definitely mm-hmm. be my dad, uh, Jeff Hoyle, who um, Bay Area audiences know from Pickles and uh, Berkeley Rep and ACT and you know, touring his own solo shows all around. Um, and also the Lion King. <laughs> yes, yes, the Lion King on Broadway the year. he Yeah, it was amazing. It was mm-hmm. my senior year in high school. All of a sudden I had like the van that I could drive, you know. It was cool. <laughs> I was like, the main, the, main, the main impact on my life was like I had a, I had a van. Um, so, yeah, and then, and then my mom, who um, was an uh, English lecturer teaching composition at SF State for a long time and, and, and started write, writing poetry um, in middle age and has now, like, won all these poetry awards and has poems published in all these prestigious journals is, is an amazing poet. Um, so, yeah, um, and it's interesting because, you know, my parents are part of that generation that um, – came to San Francisco when it was cheap, funky, artist town. Um, I was texting some of my friends saying, hey, I'm going to be in this Chronicle, Chronicle podcast. What, you know, what, what should I talk about? And they were all just like, talk about how the city is changing and how people who are moving here, what, the, what, what is the, the different pull? And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the elephant in the room. It's the, it's the, it's the existential crisis that hangs over the Bay Area. Um and yeah, I, I, you know, we bought a place in Oakland um, two years ago, and we we couldn't afford it today. And I, you know, as so as somebody who now owns property, I'm I'm rooting for a, a tech crash though, so that so that more middle class folks can stay, that you know, that working class folks can stay, um, because if not, it's gonna get boring real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, you know, I love living in Oakland and, and, and I hope that, that, that Oakland is able to, uh, sort of find, find some, some ways to combat things the way that I'm not sure San Francisco has completely, you know, there, there's, I still got a lot of friends that live in the city, teachers who are, you know, have the golden handcuffs of apartments, you know, and, um, so yeah, there's my shout out to. <laughs> Yo, we gotta definitely keep the bay, the bay, you know, and it 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 starts and ends with with housing, I think. So I was gonna say back to the each and everything. Um, I was gonna ask. Uh, so, what are the dates of the show, and uh, what else should we expect, and all sorts of cool stuff? Um, so yeah, we're jumping off July thirteenth um, at the Berkeley Marsh. Uh, so that's the first time the show's been in the East Bay. Um, so East Bay stand up for sure. Um, San Francisco is really not a far bar ride. You know, you can, (laughs) you can go the other way, man. It'll be okay. Um, and yeah. And, and, uh, I don't think we're going to have any talkbacks. I think we're just going to rock the show. It's a fun show. Um, also there's like three or four songs in it. Um, 
you know, so, and I think this new show, Border People, might not have any. I don't want to say that, but I, I think it might just be straight monologues. So um, that's sort of a fun thing to to come check out. Not that I'm, like, killing it, but they're, mm-hmm. they're funny songs with Mars Today, um, who's a great uh, performance, uh, performer, singer, and producer um, who used to, who's from San Francisco and now lives in L.A. He, he sort of produced those tracks. So, yeah. You just mentioned that. What about performers in San Francisco? Does it seem that, that you see more people moving away or coming back? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know. When we, you came back from New York. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, there must have been a, a rationale there. or Yeah, there, there was. I mean, you know, we had, once we had our son, um, there was like a huge just like visceral thing for me of like, he needs to experience Northern California redwoods and like, um, you know, and, and wanting to be close to family. Um, you know, I, it, it's in, it's an incredible, it's an incredible place, the Bay area, um, and, and Northern California, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think the East Bay is real interesting. Um, there's sort of always those sort of silly comparisons to Brooklyn, um, and it has its own not to new jersey (laughs) (laughs) it's funny i mean it's 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 Mm -hmm. similar to brooklyn i guess if it's like an interesting diverse place Mm -hmm. where there's where there's creative people but it has its totally own uh history and 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 i'm just enjoying like 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 getting to know that and 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 being a part of that um so i i sort of hope that 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 can continue to be a place that um and it's done in a good way you know because i hate the i hate the c word creatives you know because it kind of puts like Mm -hmm. artists and advertising people and like you know sort of webby techie people all in in one group um you know i I think the important and it's funny because looking at some of those articles i just read an article about there's like you know brooklyn by the bay oakland in 2014 you know um in the new york times and i was like uh yeah, and the whole thing was like, oh, we're worried about hipsters coming here, but we're excited about tech people. And I thought, like, who in Oakland, aside from, like, tech people, are excited about tech people coming to Oakland? Like, <laughs> <laughs> nobody, um, you know, and the, and the sort of – it's funny because, like, the hipster thing is, like, almost quaint at this point. I mean <laughs> – there's so many iterations of hipster. I've always, it's like you can, it's like it's like the it's like the the bar the parlor game. You know, you had like the early art hipsters who just like, what you know. I remember being like, you know, screw those guys. But they're like, they just like worked at bars and coffee shops and like worked on their bikes mm-hmm. and like, like it was like pretty benign. You know, there wasn't an impact on housing prices. You know, and now and then hipster be kind of just became like code word for just like a white person and like a like historically uh non-white neighborhood you know um but then in brooklyn it's interesting because it's not really color-coded you know hipster is is just more of a presentation it's you know and 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 now coming back here you know it's kind of like well yeah i I think i wrote a piece being like Mm -hmm. you know maybe hipsters could like save the save the save the bay in a funny way um i think there's like an ethical hipster perhaps you know if you're like (laughs) Um, it's all about like engagement with your community and like knowing that the neighborhood you move in has a history and a culture that that was there before you and you know you need to get with that it's not your it's not your playground you know um sorry getting on my soapbox here 
<laughs> well, I'm just like laughing because my favorite bar was turned into a tiki bar in Oakland. So mm. the bitterness still prevails. Mm-hmm. King's X is now, what, do you know the name of it? The tiki bar somewhere on Piedmont Avenue. Oh, um, no, I don't yeah. think I've been to it yeah. yet. Yep, I used to go there all the time. And the King's X was known for trivia and for NFL, um, I guess, uh, fantasy leagues. Oh, mm-hmm. word. Yeah, I don't want to shout. I don't. I'm like hesitant to shout out my Oakland spots because I'm like. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. coming here today. And sure, sure, sure. It's been a pleasure. It's been a yeah. pleasure. And when is Borders opening? Or you don't have a date yet for that? We don't have a date yet, but I think I don't know. We're, we're having a. I'm having a a, a a work in progress reading uh, two days from today, Ooh. so we'll mo- we'll know more after that. But we're, we we're thinking like soon, um, oh, like maybe maybe November. Yeah, October November. Um, we're thinking about that. So Trump was elected on the my, my son's first birthday, uh, November eighth, um, in twenty sixteen, and uh, and so I'm, I'm thinking about trying to open this new show, um, November eighth, um, twenty eighteen. And how old will Woodson he, be? He'll be three. He'll, he'll be three, three then. Uh-oh. Yeah. Is that a bad age? No, <laughs> no. He's incredible. Um, he's Steph. I'm KD. And my wife Lyra is clay when we play hoops um, <laughs> locally, and um, yeah, he's he he's an amazing little dude. He he, <laughs> he woke up yesterday morning, and he said, uh, "Winston wants water and milk and Giants game." <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I think because we were listening to it as he as he um mm-hmm. uh, we were listening to the game right before we went to sleep. And we ran out of diapers, so Lyra ran out to get diapers, and we got to play like a super long, extended, late night basketball game mm. while listening to the Giants. Oh. And he just like wanted to keep that vibe. He was like, "That was fun. Let's mm-hmm. let's start it up again." <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot for coming down here, and we always love having you here. And people, if, um, look out for the article that will be in print and online uh, sometime, I think next week. And uh, again, this is Lieber Hertz with Dan Hoyle at the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you so much for having me. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to our guest, Dan Hoyle. Our producer today is Peter Hartlob, and our interviewer is Leba Hertz. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is Mozart's Symphony 40 in G minor by Blue Dot Sessions. Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S. Thank you.